good afternoon. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of the Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us today as he opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. So we're in the Psalm 121. Uh, again, it's good to have you around the Word tonight. And so let's read this Psalm 121 together. <clears throat> I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. And the Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. And the sun shall not smite thee by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Amen. May God bless his word. Perhaps of all of the songs of degrees, this is the, the best known and the best loved. Uh, the psalm rests upon the understanding that life is uncertain and life is unpredictable. We do not know what tomorrow will bring forth. We do not know what troubles will come tomorrow, what trials we may have to face. And when you reflect upon that, it can cause you to have a sense of fretfulness and unease. Man is born unto trouble. Now, I want to just say we must be cautious in what we will see tonight. Because the ungodly look at the Christian church and they say to us with scorn, your faith is only a crutch. You are psychologically unstable. You are emotionally weak. And because of your weakness and your instability, therefore you have this faith because you need something to lay hold on. We who don't have God, we, we, we just we cope with life ourselves. But you can't do that, therefore you have this crutch to lean upon. I want to make it clear that the Christian faith, of course, is, is not simply a crutch to lean on in our weakness. But would we not be lying if we said that we do not find that God himself is a support to lean on? Not that our faith, our faith is too weak to lean upon. If we lent in our faith, we'd fall on our faces. But God is our support. He supports us in difficult times. Yes, our faith is weak, but he is strong. And as this, this psalm says, he is our help. From whence cometh my help? Verse 1, my help cometh from the Lord. And thus, the Bible does encourage us that God is one who will come to be our support. Again, that idea of the word help, it speaks of support. It speaks of assistance. It speaks of one who comes alongside. All those things are involved that we were to help one another in some sort of practical manner. We would come alongside and we would give assistance and support in a time of need. And yet, in this psalm, the help that's in view here has in particular its focus on protection. You'll see the words that are used, and we'll see it later on in our, in our study. He that keepeth thee. Behold, he that keepeth Israel. The Lord is thy keeper. 
The Lord shall preserve thee. The Lord shall preserve thy going out. All of those words, they are the same root word in the original. And because of that, we must understand the central theme here is in the Lord as our guardian, the Lord as our protector and as our keeper. And that's the first thing I want to notice tonight is that the presence of danger is assumed. So the first thing to see here is the presence of danger is assumed. Some suggest that the psalmist is on a pilgrimage. And they're heading to Jerusalem. These are the pilgrim psalms. And they're going to worship God. And as they do so, they, they, they rest in the valley. Perhaps they sleep there. They are walking through the valleys. And they, they look to the hills. And the hills present a threat. The hills may contain marauders and robbers and assault and danger and death and threat. And thus the psalmist, they lift up their eyes and they, they may be fretful and anxious. There is danger in view here. Others suggest that the hills speak of a place where help may come from. Perhaps they are uh, pilgrims in a military sense. Again, the, the, the psalm here refers to protection, so maybe it's a, a soldier's psalm. And thus the, the psalm speaks of the help that may come over the hills from, from help and allies in the army. But the psalmist is saying, well, I, I'm not going to trust in that. I'm not going to trust in chariots or horses. I'm going to remember the Lord my God. That, that may be the sense. Others they believe the hills refer to the holy hills of Psalm 87, likely Moriah and Zion, the hills of Jerusalem, the hills where the ark was, the presence of God. And you have that referred to in and like Psalm 125. You can see there, Psalm 125, they that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, as the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people from henceforth even forevermore. And they say, therefore, these hills are referring to the hills of Jerusalem. I do think the hills here are referring to the hills of Jerusalem, the place where God is. And I say that because I think the psalmist has a sense of holy resolve. I will lift up mine eyes. It is not the sense of when I lift up mine eyes, where is help going to come from? But rather, I am going to lift up mine eyes. And that language speaks of prayer, of course. We'll see that later on. To lift up your eyes is to look to the Lord. It is to pray, where is my help coming from? And the answer to the prayer, therefore, is my help cometh from the Lord. Just to, to show you that, turn back, please, to Psalm 3. You have in the Psalm 3, verse 4, I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. And I think that's significant because verse number 2 says, Many there be which saith my soul, There is no help for him in God. But I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. Help did come, and it came from God, and it came as he heard out of his holy hill. But whatever the sense of the word hills may be here, it is clear that the psalmist is rejoicing in God's presence and protection. The Lord is his keeper. And the psalmist is assured that he will not be smitten or will not suffer harm. Rather, in the language of verse number 7 and 8, he will be preserved. 
And therefore, it is clear that danger and the presence of danger is here assumed. The Lord, verse 7, shall preserve thee from all evil. Again, that word evil is, is the same word that's often used as evil in an authorized version, and it does not mean evil as we mean evil. It includes that, but the word evil is a general word that speaks of things that are bad, negative things, things that are, if you like, an assault upon us. He preserves from all evil, reserving us, keeping us. And so again, I was, I was sitting this morning and thinking, well, what, what are we going to say to you about this and the danger that is present here and the danger that is assumed? And I, I had some fun and I played with some words. And therefore, I want to give you one seven S's. Things the Bible show that may be dangerous in the lives of God's people. Of course, you have Satan. He is the roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He desired to sift Peter. He is the enemy of our souls. He's the adversary of the brethren. He sets out to harm God's people. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. You have, you have sheep like wolves. I'm referring, of course, to the false teachers of, of Acts chapter 20. Wolves are seeking to attack and damage the flock. False doctrine can be a harm for God's people. But the Lord shall preserve thee from all evil, from these sheep like wolves. You have the strange woman of Proverbs chapter 5. Her end in Proverbs 5 is sharp as a two-edged sword, so that those who succumb to your ways, thy flesh and thy body are consumed. There is a danger of, of immorality, the strange woman, and that danger to the soul. There is the danger, if you like, of success. I was thinking of 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 9, but they that will be rich, in other words, they that want riches, they fall into temptation and a snare, which drown men in destruction and perdition, for the love of money is the root of all evil. There is danger in success, but the Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. There's danger from the secular authorities, danger from secular rulers, the world may hate us because they first hate Christ. We may, in the language of, of 1 Peter, suffer for righteousness' sake. These are dangers, are they not, to the people of God? But the Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. We may even suffer danger from the saints. Galatians 5 says, But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. The professed saints they're a danger even to the souls of those within their same fellowships. These are dangers. There is the danger of sickness. James chapter 5 gives instruction for the elders to pray, and it says there, And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Sickness is a dangerous thing for the child of God if they do not know the preserving grace of God, but the Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. You live in the context of danger in a fallen world. You're a pilgrim in a dangerous place. Never, ever grow complacent. Never, ever, ever believe that this psalm does not apply to you. Never, ever think that you are secure and safe in your own experience. Whatever may come, we do not know what tomorrow will bring forth. Life is uncertain. It's unpredictable. You need this psalm. I need this psalm. 
because we live in the context of great dangers. We will see that this psalm teaches the eternal security of the believer. But it does so in the context that danger is assumed. So do not misunderstand the doctrine of eternal security where you understand, well, I am, I am as secure as the glorified spirits are in heaven. I'm as secure as they are, and therefore presume that you have no danger to face. The only reason that you are secure in the context of danger is that the Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. And so danger, the presence of danger is here assumed. In the second place, though, prayer that is directed is offered. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills. And here we come back to that theme of, of the prayer that is in view here in this psalm. The prayer is directed. It is to the hills. I just want to remind you again that when we come to pray, we must pray with our eyes toward Calvary. There is no answers to our prayer without there being reconciliation and atonement. And therefore, when you come to pray, you must always remember you come by the blood-sprinkled way. That's what's in view here. He's lifting his eyes to the hills, the place where the ark is, the place where God's presence is, his presence on the ground of atonement and blood and reconciliation. That's why he's praying toward the hills. It's the assurance, if I pray there, I know God will hear my prayers. Because he's given his son as a ransom for my soul. And having given his son, he will, what, freely give us all things, including help. It is a throne of grace, is it not? Do we have that in Hebrews? We're to go to the throne of grace. The throne that is open to us. Because the blood was shed. The throne that is open to us, whereby we can ask for help. Help in time of need. Is this not an Old Testament equivalent of that prayer? These prayers are directed. They are deliberate. Deliberate praying. I will lift up mine eyes. There is a termination to pray here. A settled heart that is absolutely determined and resolved in their experience that they are going to look to God for their help. These are prayers that are directed and deliberate and that indicate a sense of dependence. And this reference to lifting up mine eyes is, is clearly shown elsewhere to be in the context of prayer. The Psalm 1, 2, 3, in the verse number 1, Unto thee lift up mine eyes, O thou that dwellest in heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look unto the hand of their masters, so our eyes wait upon the Lord our God until that he have mercy upon us. His eyes are upon the Lord. He's waiting for God to have mercy upon him. And you the same in John 17. These words spake Jesus, and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come, glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. These are eyes lifted up in dependence as they look to God and look only to God. They are to look to God, therefore they are looking away from their troubles. They look to God and therefore they look away from themselves. They look to God and look away from the future and all that may come around the corner to afflict their souls. These are people, as they lift up their eyes, who are depending only upon God to come and be their help. 
So prayer is directed, deliberate, showing dependence, and such prayer is offered. Which leads to the third thing, and that is that our protection that is divine is assured. Verse 1 is a question, from whence cometh my help? And that question is answered in verse number 2, my help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. The Lord is the keeper. I've said it already, and I'll repeat it again. Verse 3 and 4, the word keepeth is used. Verse 5, the word keeper is used. Verse 7 and 8, the word preserve is used. They are all the same words in the original. Spurgeon says this, and it's a a beautiful little phrase in Spurgeon's Treasury of David. He says this, The word keepeth is also full of meaning. He keeps us as a rich man keeps his treasures. As a captain keeps a city with a garrison, and as a royal guard keeps his monarch's head. And Spurgeon has the, the sense there, right, this word keep speaks of protection and guardianship. It speaks of, of a watch. God is the one who is our protector. He is our keeper. He's also said in, said in verse number 5, to be our shade. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. And so you have... And the sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. These opposites are being used to indicate all things. God protects us from everything. That's the sense here, both the sun and the moon. He also preserves our strength. He is at our right hand. He is thy shade upon thy right hand. The right hand that indicates strength and power. God does preserve our strength. He is always able. He is the creator. He is the one who made heaven and earth. You get the same in Psalm 124 in the verse number 8. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. He is always able. He is omnipotent. He is never subject to weakness. God never slumbers nor sleeps. Your slumbering and sleeping is indication of your human frailty. We feel tiredness because we are not infinitely strong. We are finite, and therefore we need sleep to recover our strength. But God never, ever exhausts his strength. Therefore, he never, ever needs to sleep. And therefore, the psalmist uses that. God is always able, and he's always available. When we look, he comes. You have that. I will lift up mine eyes unto the help. From whence cometh my help? My help cometh. He's always available. Psalm 46 refers to the Lord as our, our help. And, and Psalm 46 and verse number 5 says, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her and that right early. He's always available to be our help. And he is always alert. He does not slumber nor sleep. Nothing gets under his or Nothing escapes his attention. He is unlike the human keeper, the human watch, who fall asleep on the watch. God is always alert. He always sees us. I love the way Job puts it in Job 24, or Job 23. He knoweth the way that I take, and that word knoweth speaks of seeing. His eyes are upon every place. He beholds the evil and the good. He sees us. He sees our need. He sees our dangers. This is the God who is omnipotent. He's always able. The God who is omnipresent. He's always available. And the God who is omniscient. He's always alert. 
This is our keeper. And therefore note, he helps at all times, day and night, in every occasion, in our going out and our coming in. And for all time, he shall preserve thee from this time forth and even forevermore. The terms just keep on adding to their, to their glory, don't they? They just keep building and building and building. This is the greatness of our God who is our keeper. And therefore, by consequence, he never allows our feet to be moved. He will not suffer. He will not allow thy foot to be moved. It will not happen. We will not slide and fall in the rough and uneven terrain of our pilgrimage in this earth. That's the sense here. These are pilgrims that are making their way. They're, they're not going up a highway. They're making their way over rocks. They're making their way over dust, uh, along slopes. And there's a great danger to their footwork at all times. And here, here God is saying, I will not allow your foot to be moved. What assurance. Imagine you're going to Jerusalem and the way is getting tough and you're singing this psalm. Although I feel my earthly feet slipping under my, under my weight, he will not allow my foot to be moved. Praise God, he is our keeper. But there is, there is a vital qualification to note here. In verse number 7, The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. This is no promise of protection from difficult times. We may suffer the danger of sickness, for example. We may even suffer the danger of false teachers. They go through all of that list, and there are things that we may come into to contact with. We may, we may suffer that danger. But the context here says, the Lord's going to keep your soul, though your body be destroyed, though like the reformers, you be burned upon a stake, even then God did not allow their feet to be moved. He shall preserve thy soul. And the sense is the Lord shall preserve the saint from the consequence of dangers that may damage the soul. Not that we escape every danger, but that the dangers cannot harm the child of God. Let me remind you of the words. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The child of God has a protection that is divine, and that protection is assured. So let me close then with this. This is a personal doctrine that must be applied Look at verse 1. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. And then verse 3. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. Do you see the change in the pronoun? It goes from the psalmist's experience to then his exhortation to all his hearers. As he pens this word, and perhaps again they're, they're marching in company together, and they're finding the going tough. And one starts up the hymn, he starts the song, he's a leader of the song group, and he sings, I will lift up mine eyes from whence come my help. And he turns to his neighbor, and he says, he will not suffer thy foot to be moved. And he encourages his neighbor with these words. You know, these are words that you must apply to your own soul. 
I cannot, I cannot live this out for you, and you cannot live this out for me. I can bear my testimony, and you can bear your testimony. But this is a personal experience. And the doctrine of God as our guardian and as our keeper is one that we must personally apply. Therefore, I encourage you, resolve. Resolve to look to the Lord. Make it your resolution, because you do not know what is around the corner tomorrow, and neither do I. Therefore, make it your resolve, day by day, I am going to lift up mine eyes to the Lord. I'm going to make sure that I live my life in absolute dependence on the helping and the keeping of my God. And yet at the same time, I believe that these words indicate that we can rest on the Lord. Tomorrow is uncertain, but God is not. Psalm 37, verse 7 says this, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Fret not, dear child of God, but rest in the Lord. Be still. That's the sense that word rest is, Be not fretful or anxious. Whatever tomorrow brings, nothing can separate us from the love of God. I want to close by reading some words from the uh, part of Treasury of David that gives these quaint uh, illustrations. And in verse number 4, Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. He tells a story. Oh, he doesn't tell a Bible. Treasury tells the story, and Spurgeon quotes it. He says, A number of years ago, Captain D commanded a vessel sailing from Liverpool to New York. And on one voyage, this captain had all his family with him on board the ship. One night, when the family were all quietly asleep, there arose a sudden squall of wind, which came sweeping over the waters until it struck the vessel, and instantly threw her on her side, tumbling and crashing everything that was movable, and awakening the passengers to a consciousness that they were in imminent peril. Everyone on board was alarmed and uneasy. And some sprang from their berths and began to dress that they may be ready for the worst. Captain D had a little girl on board, eight years old, who of course awoke with the rest. What's the matter, said the frightened child. They told her a squall had struck the ship. Is father on deck, she said. Yes, father's on deck. The little thing dropped herself on her pillow again without a fear. And in a few moments was sleeping sweetly in spite of winds or waves. And then this finishes the poem. Fear not the windy tempest wild. Thy bark they shall not wreck. Lie down and sleep, O helpless child. Thy father's on the deck. And that is the deep sense of assurance that all the children of God should have. The Lord is thy keeper. That is either true or it is false. Tragically, so often we testify to its truth, but live as if it was a lie. May God help us by his grace to hold on to these truths. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. 
The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170 or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We preach Christ crucified. Thank you.